Welcome to the Sunday morning worship service provided by the Boonwood Church of Christ. We're so thankful that you've chosen to worship with us this morning. We would rather be in attendance, but we're very thankful for the technology that provides us an avenue to worship God. Uh, one quick announcement before we get started this morning. Christmas ornaments provided by Brother Ken and Brother Nita Forrest uh, are, are in the annex. She asked that each, each and every family go and pick up one at your convenience. Now let us worship God together.
Let's lift, lift our voices up in song as we sing, We Fall Down in Holy, Holy, Holy. We fall down, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus, the greatness of mercy and love at the feet of Jesus, and we cry
Would you bow with me, please? Father, we are so thankful and grateful for everything that you've blessed us with, Father. But especially, Father, for the health and the opportunity to gather here this morning and worship you, Father. We praise that we will glorify your holy name. We praise that we pray that we would worship you this morning in spirit and in truth, Father. We're so thankful, Father, to have Brother Ken back this morning. We pray that you would bless him and give him a ready recollection of things he's prepared. We pray, Father, we may have open hearts and take that message from your word and apply it to our life, become better equipped to serve you, Father. Father, we realize there are those who are hurting, those who have lost loved ones. Lord, we realize that you know what they need better than we know how to ask. We pray, Lord, that you would just give them the things that would restore their health and restore their comfort, Father. We love you, Father, so very much, and we're so sorry that we fall so short of what you deserve. We thank you for all the blessings you give us, the physical blessings, but especially, Father, all the spiritual blessings and the forgiveness we have through your precious Son. In his name we do humbly pray. Amen. have a couple more songs before Brother Ken leads us in uh, his devotional thoughts today. Wonderful, merciful Savior. Wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and friend. Oh. 
to everybody. It is great to be back here. And I don't know of a time when I have appreciated Psalm 122 any more than I appreciate it today. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I wish all of you were able to be here in this facility, but circumstances are such now that we've gone back to our live streaming and I appreciate so much those who are involved in that, make it possible for us to be together as much as is is possible. We have several, a handful of members who have braved uh, the virus situation or to come and really support the service. So appreciate all of them. And I'll say that I appreciate Steve Hodgen a lot. Stephen has preached and taught Bible classes pretty much all on his own for the last several weeks. And it, it truly is a blessing to have people like him who can fill in and take on the load that's necessary to keep us going. I remember Jim Estes in other situations when I'd be away, he would do exactly the same thing. Unfortunately, he's under the weather right now. But thank you to everybody, and I guess I'd be remiss if I didn't just take a moment and thank all of you for the prayers and the support and the encouragement, the way you checked on us and left food sitting outside our house and just generally loved us. We've not been here that very long, but I can tell you that we feel the love of this congregation. And I, I hope that if you're sick at home, that you're experiencing some of that too. But 
know that we are praying for you and praying for those of our community, our state, our nation, all over the world, that this pandemic will soon be put aside. We can get things back to normal. Today I want to talk with you about something dear to my heart, and I'm pretty sure it's dear to yours too. It's a time for us to reflect, mostly, but also in that reflection to appreciate the one who died for us and to consider together the wonder of God's Son. We're going to be looking at a text from 1 Timothy chapter 3 at verse 16. And as we examine that passage, we're going to be reminded in just short form the great and wonderful things that Jesus represents for all of us. But before we start that, let's pray to God together. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the blessing of this day. Thank you for the opportunity that we have, whether having assembled in this physical building or whether we have committed ourselves to time in front of an electronic device, we are together in spirit. And Father, we're praying that as a body here at Boonville, that through these means and measures, that we'll still feel unified, we'll still feel as though we are one, and that we'll be able to lift up our thoughts through the singing of the songs, through our prayers, through our meditation upon your word, that through these avenues we'll be able to express to you just how much we love you and depend on you. And Father, today we are going to be reminded of just how wonderful Jesus is. And we know that the plan for his revelation to us and then by extension the revelation of yourself through him is all for our benefit. So Father, help us not only to know you and to know him, but to exemplify you through the lives that we're living. Help us, Lord, to be impressed with just exactly what Jesus went through in order to make possible all the blessings we experience. Thank you for this time of study. Help me to communicate it and help for our hearers to be able to accept it and to benefit and be blessed by it. In Jesus' name, amen. So, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. A thing is wonderful when it is it's surprising to us. We didn't expect it. And then when the surprise occurs, we examine it. We ask questions about it. And if it's truly wondrous, it's inexplicable. We can admire it, but 
We just can't really explain all that there is to say about it. We may not even be able, in a, a meaningful way, to express how we feel about what we're experiencing. That's a wonder. God is describing for us here in this text the wonder of His Son. Now, I've seen that before in Scripture, that sense of awe and wonder. It happened once with a man by the name of Manoah, who would be the father of Samson. In Judges 13, verse 18, He's talking to the angel of the Lord who reveals himself to Manoah. Manoah wants to know, what is your name? Angel of the Lord says, why are you asking my name, seeing that it is wonderful? It's it's inexplicable. It's a surprise. Something that you probably, even if I revealed it to you, you, you couldn't wrap your brain around it. I see that same idea with the child, the son who is mentioned in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. And among all of the names that are given for him, the first, the one that leads off that list, is the name Wonderful. God's son is Wonderful. Now, we can read the scriptures and we can learn a lot about him and we can say we know Jesus. But the truth of the matter is, the more we examine, the more we learn to appreciate, the more we recognize the length, the height, the depth to which God went in order to save us, the more we recognize just how How wonderful God's Son really is, Jesus the Christ. So today what I want to do is is I want to see the impact of that. I I want us to envision as much as we can Jesus' manifestation, His coming in the flesh, and then Jesus' justification, and I'll explain that when we get there. And then finally, how God has lifted him up. Jesus' exaltation. So think for a moment about Jesus' manifestation. For him to be manifested means that he has been revealed. Here is Jesus. Let me say this about Jesus. Jesus was no phantom. He was not some imagination. He was physical. He could be handled He could be experienced. He could truly be, in every sense of the word, a friend to those who lived with him and experienced him in his life. In Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Jesus came in the flesh. 
Jesus came in the flesh. He experienced fleshly appetites. He died a fleshly death. In fact, in that context, the emphasis is as bad as a death could be, this was a death that came with a curse. Jesus had been resigned to a particular type of death. Jesus came in the flesh. But you know, Jesus being wonderful and all, there's something special about the life that he lived among us. In the book of Psalms, Psalm number 8, actually, it says, Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you visit him? For you've made him a little lower than the angels, crowned him with glory and honor. You made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea that swim through the streams of the sea. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Now, this passage was one, we would say, inexplicable for a time. But eventually, the Hebrews writer in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, gives us the sense of it. He says in quoting that passage, this, and we see Jesus. Jesus was made a little lower than the angels. He's the one who was crowned with glory and honor. But it was in, it was in his death. So there is the physicality of Jesus being among us, living and dying. And then there is the spiritual benefit, being God of humbling himself, just as Philippians 2 described. He came in the flesh having been with God from eternity. In John chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. The darkness comprehended it not. So Jesus comes having been with the Father for eternity past. He experiences life with us, and, and His coming into this world was as a light in the midst of impenetrable darkness. In fact, the darkness was so great for that time that those who were in the darkness couldn't even comprehend the light that Jesus was. But that aside, here comes Jesus, and He lives among us. And in verse 14 of that text, it says that he became flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus' manifestation was his coming in the flesh to live and to be with us. But then... There is Jesus' justification. It says that God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the Spirit. I'll tell you, when I, when I first read that, 
I thought, wait, wait a second. Why would, why would Jesus, Son of God, ever need to be justified? That seems like a strange word to be associated with the Son of God. And I say that because of the human perspective relative to justification. I know that for me and for you, that justification, in a very simple way, means that I'm, I'm out of sorts with God. I'm out of sorts with God because of my sin. And so, because I have sin in my life, I, I can't have this relationship with God. So, in order to be brought back or reconciled to God, something has to be done about my sin. So, God can forgive my sin... He can justify me or literally make me just in order to bring me back into relationship with Him. Now that makes sense for us because we commit sin. Romans chapter 3, beginning at verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now that text makes sense to my human mind. I'm guilty of sin, but I am justified by Jesus. He redeems me. And that's what all that shedding of blood was about a few moments ago. Jesus died so that I could be reconciled, so that I could be, in this sense, justified, made just or made right in God's sight. Not that it's anything of me, I'm the sinner, but... I've had my sins washed away. Well, here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus Jesus isn't justified like I am. Hebrews 4 verse 15 says that though he was tempted in all points as we are, yet he did not sin. He was tempted, but no sin. If you have no sin, there's no need to be justified before God. In other words... Jesus was not like us in the sense that I've been out of sorts with God because of sin. Jesus was never out of sorts with God. Jesus committed no sin. But the texts reveal Jesus may not have been out of sorts with God, but there was a huge sense in which Jesus was out of sorts with just about all of humanity. What I mean by that is, here comes Jesus, Son of God, making certain claims about Himself. Or if He didn't outright say it, His works attributed to Him a greatness that people just were not willing to accept. And so there is this schism, as it were, between Jesus and men, that sense of justification. For instance, Matthew chapter 12, verse 24. Jesus comes and he casts a demon out of a person. Well, those who are there in the audience, they see that happen. And instead of saying, oh, Jesus, he must be the Son of God, the great power of God. It's on on display right here. Instead of saying that, they said, well, he's doing this by the ruler of the demons, by the power of Beelzebub. You see, in that sense, they could not reconcile who Jesus was with what he claimed to be or what the evidence suggested that he was. No justification. 
Same thing is true in prophecy from Isaiah 53. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form, no comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Hear that? Despised and rejected. Despised, didn't esteem him. Did not recognize him for who he is. But this text says that he was justified in the Spirit. In other words, while men couldn't reconcile in their own minds this idea of Jesus being the Son of God, that the Spirit was right there working with Jesus to put up evidence that just, just could not be denied. I think about what the Hebrews writer starts off in his writing saying. He said, God, who at various times and in various ways, spoken times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Now he would go on, as we already saw, in chapter 2 at verse 9 to say, wait a minute, this whole idea of Jesus humbling himself and becoming lower than the angels was all a part of the plan of God. And God's finally, he has exalted Jesus. But understand that God while at times in the past spoke by the prophets, he has now singularly, by only one, spoken through Jesus. We're to hear Jesus. In chapter 2, he says, therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoke through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also testifying both with signs, wonders, various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. He said you could have heard it through the mouth of Jesus. If you didn't hear it from Jesus, you could have heard it from those who heard it from Jesus. If you didn't hear it from them, then at least accept the testimony of what God demonstrated by His mighty power. You know, the wonder of Jesus. The justification of Jesus. The evidence, the backing up of who Jesus claims to be by the works of the Spirit itself, justified in the Spirit. And then, there is Jesus' exaltation. And when I think of the exaltation of Jesus, I think, okay, now, yes, here He was as a man, and He came to teach us and show us the Father, but what did the Father do in turn? Man, He lifted Jesus up! Who could deny Him? How did He do that? says, well, he was seen by angels. Now, I love that because I'm thinking about some experiences in which Jesus interacted with angels during his lifetime 
on the earth. For instance, angels are there to announce the birth of Jesus. You know, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Man's reconciliation with God right here in this babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. That's the idea. They made the announcement about that. Or when Jesus is tempted by the devil. You know, that whole scenario winds down. It's angels who minister to him. Or at the tomb, following the resurrection of Jesus, angels are there to announce he is not here, but he is risen. And of course, there are angels who declare that Jesus will return in the same manner in which he left as Jesus was ascending to the Father. I see those moments, but I think even more about how wonderful Jesus must be. Because Jesus had been in the presence of those very same angels there in heaven and had been the object of their worship day and night. And now he's humbled himself, become a man with what seems to be only sporadic contact with a representation of the glory which he once experienced. And I think how wonderful Jesus is. He was preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in glory. I'll tell you for what, I'm glad he was preached among the Gentiles because, as they say, I is one, you know? Thank you, Lord, for, for bringing a gospel message that not, not limited to just one nation, but a gospel message that was directed to all nations. And over time and centuries, eventually made it to my hearing. Oh, how wonderful Jesus is to make possible that line of truth all the way to my heart and God willing from my heart to others. Jesus, as he was ascending to the Father, told his disciples to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always even to the end of the age. Amen. So be it. I'm thankful for a wondrous Savior like that. Believed on in the world. And the benefit of that belief is all spiritual blessings. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us as sons, Jesus Christ. I am thankful for every single spiritual blessing that comes because he's been believed on in the world, believed on by you and I. And then the text says that he was received up in glory. You know, his work was completed. It was finished. He died. But he was resurrected to live again. And it is on that hope that we also live. 
I'm thankful for the forgiveness of sins. But there's nothing that excites me more than to know that when I die, I can be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. When Jesus was talking to his own disciples about what was about to happen, in John chapter 14, he said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. For where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one can get to the Father except through Jesus. You know what Jesus is? Jesus is wonderful. And the more I think about the wonder of the Son of God, the more I recognize the power that He has in my life for good. And I, in turn, trusting Him with all that I am and all that I have. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril of the sword? As it is written, we're killed all day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, the wonder of God's Son. If you're a child of God, I hope this will just remind you how precious it is to have this relationship with this wondrous Son. If you're not a child of God, I pray it will motivate you to seek Him out and to come to know Him, to believe Him, to commit yourself through obedience to the Gospel, to have your sins washed away, become a child of God. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank You for the precious Word. We thank You for your wondrous son. We pray, Father, that his life will impact us to the degree that we'll become exemplars of his life. People can look at us and see Jesus. Father, help us keep our eyes looking forward and not behind us. Help us to trust in you and in your son and to know that you'll always be there with us. Help us, Father, to have courage to live the life we know we ought to live or we haven't yet committed ourselves to have the courage to leave sin behind, to leave our own will, and to commit ourselves to following Jesus. Thank you for the blessings that come in knowing your wonderful Son. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.
transition this time to focus our minds on Jesus and on the cross. We'll sing, um, before we partake of the Lord's Supper, we'll sing How Beautiful. Sing out. How beautiful Oh, uh-huh. 
Earlier this year, we celebrated the 244th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence. Here recently, you might have heard of rivalries, the ancient rivalries of the Navy and Army game and Alabama and Auburn and Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Alabama's only had uh, that opportunity about 88 times, I believe. Mississippi State and Ole Miss have played about 118. The Army-Navy game has been played 120 times, once a year for 120 years. Today, this will be approximately the 100,000th time that Christians has celebrated the death of the Christ and the resurrection of our Savior. I think this by far is the most anticipated, the most celebrated reason to remember anything. But why do we do it once a week? I think we know, and I think Christ even knew when he was instituting the Lord's Supper as he prepared his, his disciples for that event. Ken had already mentioned John chapter 14, and in those three chapters, 13 through 15, Christ prepares his disciples. The first thing he did was he washed their feet, showing the humility, letting them know that the master will serve the servant, and the servant can serve his master. Remember that point just a little bit longer. He also told them a new commandment I have, that you love one another. That way the world would know that you are my disciples. He also encouraged his, his disciples to be on guard lest they betray him, as we know one did. He also mentioned that he was the way, the truth, and the life. He gave him the promise of heaven. He also said, I will send the Holy Spirit to help guide you along the way. And has this ever occurred to you as, on your Christian journey? The world would hate us. But he wanted us to remember that the first, the world hated me too. But he said he would send a helper. And in the end, he said, our sorrow will become joy. The first verse of the next chapter, Jesus said, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. And I think that's what the Lord's Supper is here for. We do this to remember what he's done for us. And he knew enough to tell us to do this every week so that we would not fall away. It's to help us. In Lamentations, and you say, why am I going to Lamentations? And I will close with this. The writer writes, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. There I will hope in him. If you have your emblems that you have, we will now uh, remember our Lord's death on the cross. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing upon this bread which represents your son's body that was hung on the cross for the sins of the world. 
Heavenly Father, as we remember his death and this perfect life that he lived and his perfect body that was bore the brunt of our sins, may we do so in a manner that would be well-pleasing in your sight. We ask this in his name. Amen. give thanks for the cup. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessings on this cup, the fruit of the vine, that Christ said he would not partake of it until you return again. Heavenly Father, we know that this represents his blood that was shed on the cross and all up and down the streets of Jerusalem as he was being crucified for our sins. Heavenly Father, as we do this, may we do so in a manner that would be well-pleasing in your sight. This is our prayer in your son's name. Amen. This concludes the Lord's Supper. And as you're aware, um, Another commandment that we were given was to lay by in store each and every week, um, which happens to be the first day of the week, which happens to be Sunday. So we know that there are times that are the, the difficulties that are here. So we have uh, opportunities, many opportunities. There is the uh, dropping off your contribution at the, the local bank, uh, or there is an online service that we can do as well. As we do that, uh, and as we think about those things, let us pray once again. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the blessings of life that you give us, our food, our clothing, our shelter, our, our jobs that we have, that we might earn a living and continue here on this earth. Heavenly Father, we know that there are other souls that need to be saved. There are needs within our own local congregation that needs to be met. And Heavenly Father, as we give these funds and, and purpose in our heart to do all that we can to do good to other men and, and to do good for the church and especially to do good for your kingdom. We ask that you would receive our gifts as, as what it's intended for. We love you, Father. We ask you to forgive us of our sins and be, uh, give us a home in heaven. This is our prayer in your son's name. Amen. Tommy will now uh, give us our announcements and dismisses. Thank, <clears throat> thank you for being part of our online service this morning. We're glad that you're here. We're especially glad that Brother Ken could be back with us today. Very good lesson, Brother Ken. We have many of our number that are sick. Those We have several that are in quarantine, several that have the virus at this time, and several others that have other illnesses. Please remember all of these as you as you pray this week. The annex is open each day uh, for you to pick up your communion supplies and uh, you can leave your contribution there in the box in the annex if you'd like. So it's open every day. Please remember our online Bible classes this week. Five o'clock this afternoon, Brother Jonathan Farr will be having our, our Bible class 
And on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, Brother Ken will be having our Bible class at that time. So tune in to those uh, online Bible classes this week. At this time, we'll close our service in prayer. Please pray with me. Father, thank you for all of the many blessings that you give to us every day. Father, we're thankful that we have the opportunity to to worship online with one another, and we pray that you'll continue to be with us during this during these trying times of this pandemic. Father, we pray that you'll be with the Donovan family in their loss this week. We pray that you'll be with all of our members that are suffering at this time, that are sick, that are having hardships, to be with them. Be with us as we close this service. Help us to go out and to be your people in this community. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.